Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Oh, Pater! Pater! Hi, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Pater Podcast. I'm Tom Hannafin. He is Matt McGloin. Spring practice is underway for the Penn State football team as of this past Monday. That'll be running for another 14, 13 some odd practices by the time that this airs, all of it leading up until the blue-white game on April 23rd. And already this week, we have some fantastic quotes from head coach James Franklin, one in regards to what he believes are realistic expectations for the quarterback position, and namely incumbent starter Sean Clifford, plus uh, a reveal by James Franklin of his projected two-deep depth chart, specifically for the offensive line for anybody that's followed James Franklin for his tenure at Penn State. This is a rarity. So Matt and I are going to dive into that, plus what the expectations are of James Franklin for Mike Yursich and the offense and the running game during spring practice and what can really be accomplished. Plus, we have a fantastic guest today, former Penn State tight end and current Pittsburgh Steeler, Pat Fryermuth, to give us some experience and insight uh, onto what it's like to be in spring practice for Penn State, what it's like to work with uh, Sean Clifford, who is close friends with Pat, what it's like to have continuity from the offensive coordinator from one season to the next through spring ball. So there's a lot of things that Pat can shed some light on. So we're really excited for that conversation. So as always, thank you for liking, commenting, subscribing, and turning on notifications. It's that time of year as college basketball has taken center stage with the tournament upon us. If you're looking to wager this year, Bet Online is the number one spot for all your updated odds and info along with great contests including the bracket contest where you have a chance to take home the top prize head over to the website or use your mobile devices to sign up today and receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit just use our promo code believe that's b-l-e-a-v to get started bet online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs including live betting and your favorite vegas casino games the Pater podcast is presented by bet online where the game starts and of course, Funk Brewing is the official craft beer partner of the Pater Podcast. The Citrus IPA and the Silent Disco IPA, of course, are fantastic. But have you checked out the Double Citrus IPA? It's a big fan favorite. Beer Advocate has given it a score of 93 out of 100. That's very good. It only arrives once a year, just in time for you and your friends to kick back and enjoy all the chaos of March Madness. The Double Citrus IPA is available now in Funk's Tap Rooms in Emmaus, Elizabethtown and York. Of course, you can find Funk Brewing products at your favorite beer distributor and grocery store. Speaking of Funk's tap rooms, we want to let you know that the tap room in Emmaus has moved locations. Now there's even more seating available in a very comfortable environment, plus a big screen and several more TVs. Perfect for watching March Madness. And there's a permanent Flavor Nation food truck on site. For more information on the new Emmaus location and more, visit funkbrewing.com, especially to learn where and how you can get their fantastic products. Must be 21 years or older to purchase. Please drink responsibly. So, Matt, uh, we're very excited to have Pat Fryermuth on. Uh, I'm dying to hear what he thinks of spring practice. And also, he's had a lot of success with the Pittsburgh Steelers, which is just fantastic. You always mm -hmm. love to see that. Uh, but before we get to Pat, I want to talk about some comments made by James Franklin from earlier this week. And you were uh, chatting with your good friend, journalist Dave Taylor, uh, about or Dave Jones. Dave Jones? I got the Dave, Dave Jones, Jones, yeah. Yep. Dave Jones, yeah. Dave Jones. I know a Dave Taylor. You know a Dave Jones. Anyway, Dave Jones uh, reporting that uh, 
there was a comment made earlier this week by James Franklin, and I'm paraphrasing here, quote, that it's unrealistic that you could see Christian Veyu, Bo Perbua, or Drew Allar catch Sean Clifford this offseason. I hope I'm paraphrasing that correctly. Maybe you can shed some light on it. But what's your reaction to that? Yeah, you know, uh, he didn't mention Prabula, but I mean, you're right. He said might as well lump him in, right? Yeah, well, yeah, right. I mean, you know, but he did. Yeah, he said uh, Alar or Veyu could unseat Sean Clifford. Right. The thought of that is unrealistic. Um, for me as a quarterback, that would be extremely frustrating. Just because I know of the situation, and as a young guy, I know of the situation that I'm going into. You had a quarterback who, let's be honest, has struggled, right? Towards the end of last year, he struggled, dealt with some injuries, decides to come back for a sixth year. Um, you know, it, it, it's a competition, right? Whether you're aware of it or not, that there is a quarterback competition at Penn State. But when a head coach makes a comment like that, um, it just it'd be very difficult for me to handle that, right? It's unrealistic. How do you know how I'm going to continue to develop as a player and as a quarterback, right? There's been one practice, Tom, one. Um, and for a guy like Veyu, who, you know, do I think he's going to be the starter at Penn State? No, probably not. But for a guy who played extremely well when you asked him to perform, I mean that that I mean that's just. It's not exactly a confidence builder, right? I don't think that's the message you want to send to your quarterbacks right now in the midst of a competition here in spring. I get there are different ways of motivating um, and trying to get the best out of your players day in and day out. But I think saying something like this, you know, to the media after only one day of spring ball, um, you know, it's unfortunate. And I just don't think it's fair, you know, to the quarterbacks there right now. We're definitely going to ask uh, Pat Fryermuth about that because, as you and I both know, James Franklin, when he speaks to the media, he's very precise about what he says. There is usually a purpose or some type of psychological, you know, edge that he's trying to get by putting stuff out there. So again. This could be something that the entire quarterback room has maybe heard at this point, and that that's just the expectation of the coaching staff. Um, I just find it interesting because, yes, you give credit to Sean Clifford, six years now in the program, second consecutive year with Mike Yursich. So that is a positive, but Christian Veyu also now is a second year with Mike Yursich. Uh, you can understand incoming freshmen, Perbula and Alar, Yes, mentally, they are going to be behind Veyu and Clifford. That makes a lot of sense. But where are they physically? Did they arrive looking like they were in good shape? All reports indicate that, yes, that Perbula especially looked like a good athlete arriving uh, during winter workouts and that Alar has done something very similar. And I, I also found it strange because there's so much hype around Drew Alar. Like maybe that's just all of us speaking mm -hmm. externally, and that's not necessarily the expectation for him internally now that he's a part of the program. But uh, I, I'm with you. I. I think there's ways you could take it as a player and be disheartened, but also maybe it's the, oh, maybe he's trying to motivate. You know, it, it's it, as a quarterback and as a player, it, it just, you want a chance. That's it, right? You know, you're going to get an opportunity, whether it's a big opportunity or small opportunity, you know, you stick around long enough, you do a lot of the right things, you work hard time, you're going to get an opportunity, right? And it's what you do with that opportunity and the chance you're given to make the most of it right and in a competition that's all you want is a chance we, look, we know it's sean's job to lose we know that right especially you know if he plays poorly 
I wouldn't be surprised if they went to somebody else, you know, and I think this is important, Tom, if you're LR or Prabula, do not forget about uh, Bo Prabula, right? This guy's very capable of being a starting, starting quarterback eventually as well if he develops. But if these guys develop in a hurry and they become equal or trending towards being better or have a having a higher ceiling, you know, down the line than Sean, I mean, it's hard to ignore that as a coach, as an offensive coordinator, as a quarterback coach. It was something that was immensely highlighted in the loss to Iowa. Obviously, uh, Taquan Roberson goes into the game, and the game was just too big for him in that moment. And he's since transferred, and we wish him the best of luck. But it was a glaring issue after that game is how do you not have a number two quarterback ready? You feel more confident about that going into this season because of what you mentioned, Christian Veyu, his effort against Rutgers. So at least if it's Christian Veyu as your number two, it's like, okay, you feel a bit better about that. To your point, whether Clifford gets just flat beat out for the job or what I believe is far more likely considering what happened last season, Sean Clifford is going to sustain an injury again. He was beaten up much of last season. So if I'm the coaching staff, and especially if I'm those three other quarterbacks that we've mentioned, you have got to be preparing as if you're the starter because you are inevitably going to get an opportunity. And how much are we seeing it right now in the National Football League, for instance, where the premium on a good backup quarterback gets higher and higher every single year because inevitably a guy's going to miss a few games here and there. And you cannot have this catastrophic drop-off to the point that you're putting in a guy, again, nothing personal against Roberson, that was not a good situation against Iowa. That can't happen again. So personally, I feel more confident with it, but a lot of time for those quarterbacks to get ready. And that's something that James Franklin also commented on is that, yes, the passing game, you have a lot of opportunities for quarterbacks, receivers, tight ends, et cetera, even running backs to get ready with in regards to the passing game from now, March, all the way up until the season starts. You can do those drills on air until you're blue in the face. Mm -hmm. However, James Franklin said this is the time for them to figure out what the problems are with the running game and to really get it solidified because your next opportunity outside of now through the blue-white game is going to be August because you do not have that contact on contact like you're going to have with 11 versus 11 in practice. This is the time to do it. And with that, Franklin put out two deeps for the offensive line, the depth chart, first string and second string, which is relatively unheard of for James Franklin. We talked about some of the mind games. Maybe they was playing with that quote uh, with the quarterbacks. Well, he did name uh, the starters, which I think are, are important here for the offensive line. And this is all in pencil. I want to emphasize that he had Olufashanu at left hand, uh, left tackle, Landa Tengwall at left guard, Juice Struggs at center, uh, Salim Wormley at right guard, and then Caden Wallace, the incumbent right tackle. How do you feel about those starters in pencil? He he must be listening to the podcast, right? Because is, <laughs> yeah. is, this, is this not what we talked about a few weeks back when we did the offensive preview? Mm -hmm. I, Tom, I don't even care what order they're in right now. <laughs> it doesn't matter as long as we all have something we can look at and say, yes, here are the ones, here are the twos. As long as these players have something they can look at and say, Here's the ones. Here's the twos. I think it's fantastic. This is what you need to do. Again, here, here, guys, this is where you stand. Here's our first. Here's our second. Go play. Go try to build some consistency. Now, I'm not saying at the end of 15 practices, this is what it's going to look like, but this is what it is right now, and this is what we're going with. Um, like, There's no uncertainty now, right? You're a one. You're a two. Let's roll. I think it's a confidence builder for your ones, and I think it's a motivator 
for your twos, right? Depth depth charts are constantly changing. We know that, we understand that, but having something right now heading into the spring at a position group that was your biggest problem in 2021 now, that is extremely important. So look, I'm, I'm, look, I'm glad. It's, it's, it's fantastic that uh, he's taking this approach and letting it be known that this is where we stand in terms of the offensive line. It is an anomaly when it comes to James Franklin. He rarely tips his hat in regards to depth charts at all. So this is very, very interesting. And I think the thing for people to keep in mind, because you and I have talked about the transfer of Hunter Norzat from Cornell, he wraps up at Cornell. He graduates in May, so he will be on campus shortly thereafter. So you do have to factor that in. You're getting another guy that, looking at this starting five, if I had to guess, Juice Scruggs, uh, Juice Scruggs is the one guy there that might be battling Hunter Norzad for the center spot or vice versa. Uh, I think that's going to be an interesting battle because Scruggs really had issues last season, but it was also kind of a man without a home. Uh, Bryce Effner is another guy that was uh, you know, utilized last season, but also they couldn't really find the right combination with him. So is he a guy that maybe contributes at some point? But I'm excited about the combination of Fashanu and Tangwall because those guys really came in nicely at the end of last season. To see them on the left side, I'm very excited about. I think Tangwall is a nice option in the event that, God forbid, you have an injury to Olu Fashanu. He could move into left tackle very easily. He did that last season. And then Salim Wormley was a guy that was supposed to start this past year. So to mm-hmm. get a guy that you had that intention for, it, it feels pretty good. Yeah. Now it's the question of... James Franklin has also said it's going to be a rotation of running backs through the spring, through blue-white game, and probably into August, I would imagine, because you have Nick Singleton, you have Katron Allen, Keevon Lee, and a boatload of other guys. Um, do you think this is the time when it's like they actually figure it out in terms of the running game? Like, should we feel optimistic about this? Well, I'm glad that's exactly what I wanted to hear when it came to the running back situation. And again, that's another thing that we talked about, right? It's you can't with the way these guys are and how talented they are, right? Katron Allen, Nick Singleton, you can't just slowly bring them along, right, over time. It's not like a quarterback. It's not like the quarterback situation currently at Penn State. You have to get these guys going early. Again, let them know where they stand. Listen, you have a chance right now to be the guy here at Penn State. You can be the one to help fix our running game problem. That's what gets those guys going. That's what motivates those guys. And, Tom, to be honest with you, that's how you're going to find out whether this kid can do it right now or whether he needs a year or two, right? Throw him into the fire and say, here you go, man. You're getting reps with the ones right here during this period. We're going to throw everything at you. Let's see what you can handle. Um, I think that's important right now. So, yeah, I'm glad to see that they're kind of looking at this as, you know, everybody's just going to get thrown in. Everybody's going to get reps, catches, routes run. Um, you're going to get the ball, um, and we're going to see what works because I think for the most part, um, you know, both of these guys complement Kevon Lee extremely well in that run game. And now this is uh, the, the overarching factor with the offense is the coordinator, Mike Yursich. A lot of hype for this guy coming in. Obviously, he has a fabulous resume. Uh, but last year, we can all agree, wasn't good. And James Franklin said as much earlier this season. There were plenty of factors that played into the struggles of the offense. But uh, now one of the things that James Franklin pointed out this past week was that the run game obviously has got to get figured out. 
Uh, and then you've got some time to develop play action pass RPO. There are a lot of things that he touched on uh, in terms of what your is doing. Um, what do you hope to see your maybe implement? You know, you've talked about the blue white game. You run eight plays, right? Yeah. What are you looking to see from Mike Yursich as we get closer and closer to April 23rd? You know, I want to see him be able to build a running game, build this this running style of football that we're used to seeing at Penn State. You know, you mentioned that quote from James Franklin where, you know, um, you know, Mike had, you know, these you know, great jobs before or they talk, he talked a lot about Mike's credentials, mm-hmm. right. Coming into Penn state and yeah. Okay. Oklahoma state, Texas, he was a pass game coordinator, Ohio state. Like he wants to throw the football. This is, this is a coordinator. And let me say this. I'm a fan of Mike Yersich. I think he's a fantastic quarterback coach. I think he's a great uh, coordinator when it comes, when it comes to throwing the football, but he needs to develop some type of running system here at Penn state. But, you know, right now, Tom, what it seems like is he, he wants shootouts, right? I think that's what he wants as a play caller. And we know that that's not happening week in and week out in the big 10. You have to be able to run the ball successfully to win football games in the big 10, Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota won nine games last year, Tom, Ohio state, Michigan state. The other team in the top six in terms of rushing was Nebraska who, they were in a lot of football games last year and they had chances. I'm not comparing I'm not comparing them to the others. But sure. but for you to make a run in the Big 10, I mean, it, you have to be successful in the run game week in and week out and you look at what those teams did that I just mentioned statistically in 2021. For Penn State to be up there and to make a run and to have a chance, you need to average five at almost 5 yards per carry. And you need to have over 20 rushing touchdowns a year. That's what all those teams were able to do. I mean, the impact of the run in the Big Ten is massive. Penn State in 21 time, 3.2 yards a carry and 11 touchdowns. We know it's not good enough. And his quote says that, right? It talks about the RPO, play action passes. It, it opens up everything offensively. You have the players in place. It's about using them the right way, allowing your quarterback to make those decisions for you at the line of scrimmage. If there's a good run look, let your quarterback have the green light to check it to a run. If it's a bad look, let him throw the ball. Um, the one thing, and this is the last thing I'll say on it, Tom, you know, the, la- the, the, the one thing that concerns me is that they couldn't get better every week and they couldn't make changes in the run game in 2021. I think that's the problem right there. The run game didn't get better. Good teams can change who they are and make adjustments week in and week out. The run game was the same all year. So until I see that, until we see how this develops throughout the spring and until we see it April 23rd at the blue-white game, that's my biggest concern is how will this team be able to generate yards, first downs, and move the chains when it comes to running the football. Uh, I do want to flip sides of the ball uh, quickly before we get to the Pat Fryer move interview. Very excited to have Pat on here. Um, James Franklin also spoke uh, briefly uh, about Jonathan Sutherland uh, on the defensive side of the ball, um, mostly because the question was, okay, is he a linebacker? Is he a safety? Uh, it had been reported in recent weeks that he'd officially been moved to linebacker, and then it was noticed by the media that he is still listed as a safety. So it was kind of like, what is he? What isn't he? So there was an interesting quote here from Franklin saying, uh, right now Sutherland gives us the best ability um, to get our best 11 guys on the field, but it also allows us to play with what I think um, 
uh, will be playing with, a, a, which is more of a defensive back with linebacker traits. That's something for us to discuss with Manny Diaz about how we want to list him. But at the end of the day, that's where Sutherland is starting at that field backer position, which allows us to bump Curtis Jacobs over. Very similar to how we've done for eight years. A lot of the young guys have come in, gain their experience at the field backer position which both mentally and physically is a little bit less on your plate as you gain that experience, then you move over to the boundary backer. So similar in what we're doing with Sutherland and Jacobs. So it's a lengthy explanation, but the initial question had been Manny Diaz, who's apparently stepped in and picked up right where Brent Pry left off in terms of attitude and what he's preaching and what he expects of the defense. Brent Pry at one point used three safeties at Miami. Uh, we know that that is something that James Franklin did at Vanderbilt as well. Do you want to see a three-safety defensive look from Penn State? Are they capable of that personnel-wise, or is it something where you and I kind of talked about it? There maybe should only be two designated linebackers, Jacobs and Sutherland. You know, I think I have a simple answer for you, Tom. If if it's if Jonathan Sutherland is going to be that third safety for you, and he's going to play down towards the line of scrimmage, he's going to play in the linebacker box in that area, he needs to be equally good as your linebackers at stopping the run and being heavily involved in the run game. If he can do that, then there's no reason why you can't play, you know, with three safeties, um, you know, and look, obviously they're high on him. They wouldn't have made that move um, if they didn't believe him, believe in him and believe he was capable of playing at, you know, at a high level and helping them out in the run game. So as long as he can do that, um, I think it could work. I also think it can create a ton of possibilities for what Manny Diaz um, can do defensively. Very intrigued to see how that plays out because it sounds like so far everybody's very happy with Manny Diaz, especially James Franklin, uh, even using the adjective extremely happy with Manny Diaz. So that's really good to hear. And it sounds like it's been a duplicate of Brent Pry in a lot of ways. So uh, fingers crossed for good uh, results in that respect. So um, that's kind of what James Franklin's been saying this week. So before we go any further, let's get to our interview with Pat Fryermuth to hear what he thinks about what spring ball is like under James Franklin, what he expects of his fellow tight ends going into this season, how things are going with him with the Steelers. A lot to get to here with Pat Fryermuth. That is next. But before we get to Pat, I want to talk to you about athletic greens. Tons of people take multivitamins, but it's important to choose one that's top quality with one delicious scoop of athletic greens. You're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to start your day right. Their special blend of ingredients supports gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's also lifestyle friendly and it fits a wide range of diets. There's only one gram of sugar and no chemicals or artificial anything. So reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash believe. That's B-L-E-A-V. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash believe believe these statements have not been evaluated by the food and drug administration these products are not intended to diagnose treat cure or prevent any disease athletic greens take ownership of your health 
And of course, all of us involved in the Pater podcast are proud supporters of THON, also known as the Penn State Dance Marathon. THON is a year-long effort dedicated to raising funds and awareness for its sole beneficiary, Four Diamonds at Penn State Health Children's Hospital. THON is the largest student-run philanthropy in the world, committed to enhancing the lives of children and families impacted by childhood cancer. Four Diamonds picks up where insurance leaves off to relieve financial stress and provide emotional support so that no family ever has to see a medical bill. Since 1973, THON has raised over $203 million in the fight against childhood cancer and counting. To learn more about THON's year-long efforts or to donate, visit THON.org. That's T-H-O-N dot O-R-G. It's all for the kids. Make a difference in the life of a child today. And on another personal note, we want to take this opportunity to put a spotlight on mental health with an initiative called Tag Me In. Tag Me In is simply asking for people to tag in on the conversation and help strip away the stigma around mental health. Whether you're looking to lend support, you want to talk, you want to share, maybe you need some help. We invite you to join in on the conversation. We encourage you to make a video if you'd like, post it on your social media channels and use hashtag tag me in and hashtag tag me in united. At the very least, we want to hear from you. You are not alone. Tag me in. Visit tagmeinunited.com to learn more. Joining us now here on the Patriot Podcast, former Penn State tight end and current Pittsburgh Steeler tight end, Pat Fryermuth, you got the, the the zip up, like you got all the gear on, so you're good to go, man. Uh, thank you for joining us. Got to ask you, like, how's life now that you're going into your second season as a pro in the National Football League? That's got to be kind of a pinch me type of situation. Yeah, man, it's, it, it's fun just because, you know, obviously going into the draft process in my rookie year, like it was 18 straight months of football going from senior year or junior year of college to rookie season so it's good to kind of get away from the game for a little bit and just kind of focus on myself and kind of start getting my like life off the field situated and starting to get that process rolling and um it's been good um it's very stress-free and it's definitely good for the for the mind in retrospect what was your schedule like as a student athlete versus what it's now in the nfl because you hear a lot of guys say like you're busier sometimes at the college level just because you have so many Mm -hmm. responsibilities what's that schedule been like for you Oh, yeah. I mean, to be honest, it, it for me, it was kind of similar just because, you know, um, you know, the classes in the morning and then you go over to the, the building and get treatment and then you have practice stuff like that. So you kind of get out around five o'clock and it's kind of the same time frame in, in the league where it's, you know, I get up at 730 in the morning and go in the building, get treatment and um, watch film and then meetings and, and more film and practice. So it's kind of it's just different things. You know, you take the school element out of it, but it's just longer. The league is more elongated meetings and rehab and all that kind of stuff because it's a long season. I can imagine how long everything must have felt mentally, as you mentioned, like 18 straight months of football because you played through the 2020 season for Penn State, the pandemic obviously playing in front of no fans at Beaver Stadium, which had to be insane. And then you get drafted, so you kind of missed what the NFL experienced in 2020. Uh, obviously, you got to play uh, you know, in front of all those Steelers fans, which was great. So how much like looking back on all that, was that mentally taxing for you? Yeah, it was hard. It was definitely, obviously, you know, you get so excited for a season, you know, coming back from my junior year and stuff like that, you know, the high hopes and stuff. And it kind of got derailed a little bit because of COVID and well, I mean, rightfully so, but um, you know, it was definitely hard going back and getting into a good groove and just kind of staying consistent because, you know, with COVID, you know, stuff changes every single day. So it was definitely hard and 
you know, I have to credit to all the universities and everyone that was able to make it happen and stuff like that. Um, Cause you know, obviously we wanted to play the game we all love. Um, but it was definitely weird going to Beaver Stadium and driving in with no fans, cheering us on and hitting the buses and going out to the tunnel with literally just crowd noise and stadiums just blared. It was, it was just so weird. And it was definitely hard to get used to. But, you know, as Mac would probably say, like when you play, like obviously you feed off the energy of the crowd. But when you play and you're in your zone, you kind of tune the crowd out anyway. So, um, you know, when you get in your zone, you're kind of locked in and um, you don't really kind of notice it. But um, it's definitely hard. Definitely hard. I can only imagine. Um, so obviously Penn State is starting spring practice this week. They just wrapped up winter workouts. Um, you, as a freshman in 2018, you got on campus in June, so you didn't really experience what this time of year is like until your sophomore campaign, 2019. Uh, you also had the good fortune of 2018 to 2019. You had continuity in terms of your offensive coordinator with Ricky Rain. What is this time of year like at Penn State, winter workouts and spring practice, and then What's that mentality like when you do have continuity in terms of your offensive scheme? Yeah, well, first of all, it's a grind. Um, you know, obviously, when going from winter workouts and you get a little week of spring break, and then you go back right back into a couple of winter workouts and then right into practice. So it's definitely a grind because the workout schedule, lifting wise, they don't really kind of take it off of you, even though you're still practicing. It's kind of just you're still going on with the strength program and you're just adding the football practice in there. So definitely challenging but um going with the office coordinator part i think it's huge for cliff because as you saw with cliff was a freshman and he was able to learn from trace in the same offense maybe he didn't play a lot but he was learning from trace um and then he went into that second offense so my sophomore year where he was comfortable and he already knew the offense so it was like go 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 and we had a very successful season but then we switched off offensive coordinators and you know we struggled and stuff like that so I think last year, obviously, they hit a wall and stuff like that, not being able to run the ball. And I think it was hard for Cliff with injuries and stuff like that. But I think this year should be good because he's got that second year, got the full offseason with knowing what to do and, and having that game reps with the plays and stuff like that. So I think you know, I'm excited to see what he can do this year. You know, before I jump in a little bit more Penn State football talk, Pat, um, I want to take a step back real quick because I'm always I'm always interested to know what guys think after year one in the league. And you're so right, you know, when you talk about playing football for 18 months right in a row or whatever it is, like that first offseason after yeah. your rookie year in the NFL, it, it just it feels so good to get away, not just mental, not just physically, but mentally. Like you just you need a break and it's it's incredible how much you feel like you've played, but at the same time, how fast, you know, it, it, yeah. it really has gone. Um, a lot of people talk about the difference in speed compared to college in the NFL. Obviously that's one of the more important things that you need to make an adjustment to, but for you, what are some of the major differences when it, when it relates to the yeah. game that you've seen from going from Penn state, you know, to the NFL? The biggest thing for me was always tell people is just the amount of detail. I think, you know, obviously in college, like guys that are athletic can get away with not watching film just because their athleticism. But um, I think going into it, obviously, I was very diligent with my film study, but I think I had to take it up a notch with just seeing how our vets um, watch film because, um, you know, everyone knows where to go at the right time and everything like that. So I think it's just really it's, it's more prioritized a game of inches in the league where I think, as you know, that those defenses move so fast and know where to be. So you have to get those little hints and stuff like that um, during film study. So I think that was probably the biggest thing was just the detail of 
your work and just everything that has to come with that. You know, so much about recruiting these days anymore, I feel like is like, yeah, you know, come to our school. Here's what we can provide for you. Here's what we can yeah. do for you. But I think what gets lost sometimes is that, you know, as a coach, as a position coach, uh, as a university, you know, it's also your job to put these, these student athletes in a position to where they could achieve their dreams and go on to play professionally. So, you know, when you look back at Penn state, how do they prepare you for the NFL? What are some of the things that you took away that made your transition to the league a little easier? And what are some of the things you needed to improve on in year one? Yeah. So, I mean, for starters, I think that coach Franklin does a great job of routine. I think that that's the biggest thing what I learned from him was just making sure you stick to a routine and everything stays consistent. Because when you get that routine, you feel comfortable, you get, um, you know, you get everything out of the day that you needed. So I think just a routine and a plan, just the simplest things like that, that he kind of instilled in us, the, especially me, just to kind of, um, you know, put forth in a great day and stuff like that. Um, and same with my position coach, Coach Bowen. I think he, you know, demanded um, to come in every single day and do the extra thing, which I think that, um, you know, that really helped me and stuff like that. Um, and then uh, what was the other part of the question again? Sorry. No, I talked about some of the things that, right, made the transition oh, a little easier for you. But yeah. what what are some of the things when you got to the league, you thought to yourself, all right, here's where I need to improve. Here's where I need to get better, right, to, to adjust each sure. and every day. Because like, yeah. you're not you're not developing, you're not growing in the NFL, as you know, mm-hmm. right? Somebody else is always coming along. So you always, always got always to watch your back and watch your job. Exactly. I think, as you can probably say, going – so with your experience too, I think going from high school – so. The summer going into high school or the spring before I went into college, in high school, I'm kind of like, all right, well, I don't really know what to work on because I, I've never experienced that next level. So it was kind of like, all right, I'm fine. Like, I think I'm good. You go into college, you see the first workout, you see the first practice, and it's like, oh, my God, I have so much I need to work on type thing. So then you get into college and you, you do your career and everything like that. And then the offseason training going into the NFL, you're like, all right, well, I know what I need to do type thing. But then you practice in the NFL, it's like, I need to learn or I need to practice a million different other things. So I think every level you go in, I think there's just so much thrown at you that you have to adjust um, on the fly, really, because, you know, you can't see these things and then be like, all right, time out. I'm going to go back the offseason for a couple more weeks and work on it and then I'll be back. But it's more you have to adjust on the fly. So I think after that first year of everything that you like freshman year, rookie season, I think there's so much you learn that you can apply on the offseason. And I think guys that, Coach Franklin obviously helped with that, but I think guys that can understand and work those things into their offseason program are guys going to be successful in, in year two. And I think that guys that kind of don't do that are the you see the kind of sophomore slump type, as people say. Yeah, you talk about making those adjustments, and you know how, how important has it been for you to kind of lean on other players in the NFL, guys that have been there, guys that have done it, guys that have found that routine that's been successful compared to, you know, in college where you're kind of concerned about yourself. You know, you know what I'm saying? You're yeah, kind of yeah. figuring things out as you go. Yeah. I think, it's, I mean, I, I lean on, I mean, thankfully for myself, I mean, the Steelers is a great organization and there's guys there within my locker room that there, I mean, there's so many of them that have a routine and have a process that, you know, they stick to every single day. I mean, Cam Hayward's one of them. Um, you know, he's been in the league for, I think, 12 years, going on his 13th year. And, I mean, he's playing at the top of his game right now. And that's hard to do. And I think that you know, he's a captain of our team and everyone looks up to him. So I think that, you know, seeing the process that 
he goes through every single day with the amount of rehab he does for his body to be ready to go on Sundays. It's just, I mean, he he's just a prime example of guys that, um, you know, really feed into their process and, and it pays off on every Sunday for him. Same with Minka and all the other guys that are great on our team, TJ and all of them. Yeah, I mean, the word routine has obviously come up, you know, a few times here in, 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 in this conversation. And, and I mean, that's so much of what it is. What's your routine? How consistent can you be? Can you be the same person? Can you stick to that? And you mentioned James Franklin and how important routine is to him and his program, you know, and his team. And obviously, you know, as Tom mentioned, spring ball has just kicked off. And, you know, it's an important time for a lot of players, right? In some cases, competitions can be won yep. this early in the yep. year. Um, what are James Franklin's expectations for his players right now during the spring? I think just to come in every single day and get better. I mean, obviously, like you said, he's going to, he's a guy that loves competition. So if there's a competition on the spot, he's going to make those guys compete left and right. And he's going to play a little mind games with them to see how they react and stuff like that. And I think as guys, um, you're going to have to be able to adjust. I think if you're, if you're not going to be able to adjust with what he throws at you, then you're not going to be able to succeed in this program. I think the guys that really thrive and really make those jump. I mean, spring ball is the time to make that jump. Um, so you have to try things out that he's going to encourage guys to try things out that maybe they wouldn't if they're game, game prep or something like that in camp. Um, so I think he's encouraging guys. Spring ball is, is to learn and to, to push your you know abilities to a certain point where maybe you didn't know you could be. You know, having been, you know, the new guy there in 2018, obviously your first spring was in 2019 and then going to be in, you know, a vet at Penn State in such a short time. Talk about the difference between what your first spring practice can be like versus what it's been after already a year of playing and, and what's important at both those stages in your career during this spring football time. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's spring football to me is very important. I mean, it's, it's a chance to put on the pads and, and you know, not just wait a full calendar year um, to, you know, get that contact and get that, you know, that technique, especially in the blocking game and the run game and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I think that um, for me, I think spring ball was, was good for me because it's kind of the, where I took the, in a way took the tight end room over in a vocal way. So it kind of helped me practice my leading uh, leadership skills on the field. So I think it's just more guy spring ball guys just have different things they have to work on. I mean, for example, like Cliff, I mean, he's not going to have to do just, I mean, this is his seventh year, I think. So <laughs> Six years, to, yeah. It's, it feels yeah. like a while. <laughs> he's not going to have to do the early stuff that the, the young quarterbacks are going to have to do. But I think those young quarterbacks are going to have to see what the vets do. And it's just kind of observing what other guys are doing at different aspects in their career, stuff like that. You know, you mentioned the run game a little bit, and obviously the big concern from Penn State ending the 2021 season heading here into spring football in 2022 is the run game. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and for decades, Penn State has been known as a big running football team, take a lot of pride, um, yep. you know, in running the football. Um, what has separated, you know, the teams that you've been on that have been successful and running the ball versus the ones that just can't get it done. And I know it's hard when you're in the league to follow up and to watch yeah. Penn state, but did you see anything, you know, during last year's time, you know, that you said they could, they need to be doing this better. They need to be doing that better. What are some of the things this O line, these tight ends, these running backs can work on in the run game this spring? Yeah. I mean, obviously I was there for the meeting and stuff like that, but I mean, every successful team that I've been a part, obviously I'm sure you can say the same thing that the coach, what their coaches 
coaching you, obviously, it means a lot. But the, the, the great teams have guys that hold each other accountable without the coach. So I think I didn't know what was going on. But in my mind on TV especially, like, I didn't see any of the old linemen come up to each other and figure it out or talk through each other. Like, that's my biggest thing is being able to see what happens on the field and adapt the next drive. Um, and so those are the, the teams that I think that are great. And I think we did that my sophomore year. We made it to the Cotton Bowl where um, we were able to talk with each other throughout um, throughout the, the the drives and the series and stuff like that on the sidelines to figure it out. So I didn't know if that was that in that case because I, I didn't really know how close the team was. But um, hopefully, you know, with the, the team being kind of young with some vet leadership as Cliff and other guys that have had some experience that maybe they can bridge that gap and, you know, be together and, um, figure that stuff out on the sideline because a, a coach can do all a coach can do, but as, if a guys aren't going to buy into it, then it's pointless. Pat, um, in, in regards to the offensive line, uh, you were just kind of touching on you know communication. Uh, one thing that was really interesting that came up uh, earlier this week is uh, James Franklin actually gave two deeps for the offensive line. And as you would probably know during Franklin's time, he really doesn't put out depth charts, uh, especially yeah. this time of year or very much at all. He really keeps his information uh, very close. So to see a, a starting offensive line unit, granted in pencil, uh, announced at this time of year, is that encouraging for you considering there is such a finite amount of time to, hey, we got to work on the running game the next 14 practices that they have yeah. and then a little bit in August? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, I mean, for me, I'm laughing because I didn't notice that, but I, I know Coach Franklin, it's, he's definitely doing it to motivate guys. And I think that, in a way, if you see where you are in the depth chart, it's like, okay, well, maybe it's not where I want to be, but it's going to motivate me because these coaches see me here, but I see myself there, so maybe I have to do extra. So in my mind, he's doing it as a motivation factor where it's he's going to get these guys to, you know, pump each other up and, and, and compete because, that, like I said, this is the time to compete in spring ball. So um, I think there's a little mind game going on there. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's great about that. It's always like reading between the lines and like uh, no, no. we were, we were uh, Matt and I were talking about this earlier on the podcast is that there's another quote from him this week saying that um, uh, Sean Clifford, you articulated very well. He's been there for six years now. He's miles ahead of anybody and he's going yeah. into his second year with Mike Yersich. Uh, the quote that we learned from James Franklin is that it's unrealistic to see Christian Veyu or Bo Perbula or Drew Allar, despite the hype around Allar, will catch him mentally this year. So uh, putting that out there, I think the same thing you do, that it's mind games. But do you agree? It's like, oh, yeah, it's do people really understand how big that gap is? Yeah, I mean, it's huge. I mean, obviously, <laughs> I, mean, I always, of course, one of my best friends, so I always give him crap about <laughs> being there forever. But um, I mean, he posted something on Instagram, I think today or yesterday, it was like last ride. I'm like, dude, you've been saying this for three years. <laughs> but uh, no, so I think it, it's definitely, I mean, it's really hard to mentally, I think mental part of the game is huge, especially for a quarterback. But I think it's going to be hard for those guys. I mean, pretty impossible for them guys to catch up to Cliff of where he had mentally and what he's seen in college. Um, but, I mean, there's ways that he's definitely pushing those quarterbacks to try to get there as fast as they can because, you know, who never – I mean, who never knows what happens in a college football season. So, I mean, those guys have to be mentally prepared. And as you always know, I mean, Coach Franklin, when I was there, I was always talking to Trace and Tommy and, and Sean. Like, Sean always prepared – to me, Sean always prepared who was a starter, especially when he wasn't even – who's the third string behind Trace, uh, Trace and Tommy. So I think that if those guys can do that, then they're going to set them up themselves up for a good beginning of their career.
Yeah, and we know Clifford obviously cares deeply about the program. Yeah. So there, yeah. there's that aspect uh, that that you're always excited to see. And then these new guys that are coming in, yeah, physically they might be able to do some things, but yeah. it's a whole different ball game. Um, you mentioned taking over the tight end room uh, towards the back end of your uh, tenure at Penn State. You crossed over with the current tight end crop in that I'm talking about the big three yep. of Brent Strange, uh, Tyler Warren, and Theo Johnson. Uh, do you think these guys have even scratched the surface on what they're capable of doing? You had firsthand experience. What is this trio capable of? Yeah, they're capable of big things. I mean, I, w- I was visiting, I visited Penn State uh, for Thon, and I was in Franklin's ear and even Yersh's ear about like, you got three stud tight ends. You should be a base 13 personnel the whole game. <laughs> <laughs> because they, all, they all bring different things to the table. I mean, Tyler's an athletic freak, and, and Theo's just Theo's just all around. To me, Theo's all around great tight end. I think he has the whole package. But I think Brenton and, and Tyler have different areas where they kind of are better than at Theo. But I think that if you can utilize those three in the areas that they're best equipped, where maybe the other one isn't, then, I mean, you're going to have – literally if you go out in 13 personnel you split three tight ends out the defense are going to be like what the hell do we do because you have no like, <laughs> that's the like mismatches and that i mean we'll see what happens but that's what i would do <laughs> i i i don't i, I don't know if that's going to happen too often on saturday pat i hate to tell you that but i would to be honest with you, i'd love to see more 12 personnel no, i no. really would i really <laughs> would and tom talked tom and i talked a lot about that um, in season last year on this podcast was that they're not utilizing this tight end room enough. And especially on early downs and distances when the run game's not working, man, go quick game, figure out a way to get these tight ends more involved. And for how talented that those three guys are, you know, I mean, I think you've got two big time playmakers and strange and Johnson, you know, and you yep. just talked a little bit about what they can do athletically for you on your football team. I mean, is this the year, though, that they can take the next step and become some of the best ones in the not just in the Big Ten but in the nation? Yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously, it all predicates predicates on you know what they have their plan is. I think that from what I've heard, they plan on using all three of them to an extent where it's pretty impressive what they do. Um, but I think that they just have to continue continue to be there for Cliff. I mean, Cliff's very comfortable with the tight ends being his security blanket, which me and um, which I was for him, but I think that, um, you know, if they push the ball on the field with using the tight ends and hitting Brendan in the flats and all that kind of stuff, I just think they just need to utilize them in their best abilities. Cause I'm going to ride for my tight end guys now. (laughs) (laughs) We we talked a little bit about, I mean, obviously look, I know, uh, I know your, your best friends are Sean Clifford, but I mean, there is a little bit of a quarter comp back competition happening there, whether, you know, people want to be aware of it or not. there is right you know and for you when you step in the huddle obviously the opportunity to play with a guy like Ben Roethlisberger you know last year one of the greatest to ever do it um you know can you feel a difference when you walk in the huddle and there's a young quarterback in there versus a veteran quarterback in there you know because like for me like I I always I always would just fake it when I was a young quarterback and had no idea what I was doing because I knew that if I was confident and that I was calm that those other 10 set eyes were going to see that. But yeah. I mean, were there time were there times when you walked in a huddle, you know, had a, you had a vet in there or you had a young guy in there and you were kind of like, I don't know here, man. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, it, like you said, if, if, even if a quarterback doesn't know what the hell they're doing, if you come in a, a huddle <laughs> and you're confident and you tell them like, Hey, this is the play we're running. Let's go. Like, let's get the first down. 
then those guys are like, hell yeah, like, let's go. That's my biggest thing where as a quarterback, like it's so much more, like you can say, it's so much more than actually being the quarterback. Like you have to have everyone like trust you and yeah. ride for you. I think Cliff does a great job with, he's one of the confidence quarterbacks that, I mean, I've seen in my career where obviously Ben was up there, but I think Cliff is really like, he's a very confident guy. So when he goes in the huddle and he's, he's talking to guys, I think everyone listens. It's just, um, and it's funny because when I was in the huddle this year, I'm not going to name names, but you could tell who some of the guys are just kind of like, bro, what, what are you talking about? Like, you don't even tell us to play. You just mess up the whole play. That's not even a play. So it's just, mm-hmm. it's just huge with confidence level as quarterbacks and just kind of seeing what they bring to the table type thing. You know, it, it's crazy what just knowing your assignment is. Oh, right? yeah. Being able, being able to spit a play out. Like, it's talked about so much at every level. Do your job. Just do exactly. your job and everything else will take care of it. You know, um, I mean, this may be an easy question for you, but I think I think it's a difficult one in a lot of ways. And, you know, going back to 2021, I mean, Tom, leading up before the Iowa game, you know, we were so impressed with the way Sean Clifford played. Obviously, oh, yeah. the injury, obviously the injury, and then things, you know, kind of spiraled out of control a little bit from there and, and went on to struggle. But for him, Pat. How does he get better here in year six? And how does he solidify himself as the quarterback for Penn State in 2022? Yeah, I mean, me and him have talked, and I think um, everyone, I think everyone's process is so different that, you know, some guys leave college after three years. I mean, Mike could have left college after freshman year, but there's so many guys that could have left college at a different time that you're not, everyone's goal is to get to the NFL. And obviously that's, that's Cliff's goal. And so I think that looking at what Kenny Peckett Pickett did this past year mm-hmm. where he, everyone, he was getting a lot of hate, which like, you know, he's not a good quarterback, blah, blah, blah. But he finally, like it took him six years to put it together. So I think that's a motivation factor for Cliff where it's like, okay, maybe he didn't put it all together there fourth year, fifth year, whatever. But this is his last year where he's going to throw everything on the table. So I think this could be a year where it's sort of like a Kenny Pickett where it's like, where the hell did this guy come from? But he just started to put it together. And I think this is yeah. a year that he can he can do that because, like you said, this is his second year in the offense. And the offense works. I mean, Mason Rudolph in the offense killed it. So the quarterbacks have killed it in that offense. So I think with that second year, who knows what happens. Well said. Well said. Speaking of that second year, uh, how are you feeling going into year number two, considering last year you put up seven touchdowns? I don't know if you're aware, but that's the top 25% of the league in terms of most touchdown passes caught in 2021. So pretty right. good first year, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, it was, it was, yeah. <laughs> But feeling good, everything. Uh, you, obviously, you're going to have a new quarterback, uh, whether it's Trubisky or Rudolph or you know another guy. Who knows what could happen this time of year, and then uh, with the NFL draft coming up. But um, I, I'm glad the adjustment's been good for you, man, because you've been doing Penn State very proud. So, uh, but thank you for coming on. Thank you for joining us. Uh, you got any predictions for Penn State for the 2022 season? How you see things shaking out? I haven't. I haven't really looked at the schedule, but open. I mean, Purdue it's week one. Like- How do you feel about at Purdue week one? Oh, that's easy, though. But I, 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 honestly, it's it's like every year. It's gonna come down to how they do against that middle seat, uh, middle season stretch of Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State. It always comes down to that. So we'll see what happens. You're 100 percent right, Pat. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. Good luck this season. Appreciate it, guys. Appreciate it.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.